0: I invite you to take your Bibles. We're turning to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. This is in connection with the Heidelberg Catechism. The topic that we have in front of us is the Lord's Supper, and uh, John, chapter 6. We'll just take a few samples from John 6. Uh, begin. Verse 1, and then go up to verse 14, and then take a break and move on to um, verse 35. So here's John 6, the Word of God. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His signs, which He performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. Now the Passover... A feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that each one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Andrew, Uh, Simon Peter's brother said to him there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish but what are they among so many then Jesus said make the people sit down now there was much grass in the place so the men sat down in number about five thousand and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets. It's an interesting number. Number twelve, baskets. With the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then these men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Skip ahead to verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And bread, the bread that I shall give it is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. This is a reading from the scripture. Let's now read from the confessions for a moment. If you can turn to the book of praise, we have the Heidelberg Catechism written down. And there's a summary about the Lord's Supper teaching, Lord's Day 28. There was a time that there was a great amount of debate about the Lord's Supper, some 450 years ago, the time of the Great Reformation. And so you see three Lord's Days about the Lord's Supper because of how... um, divisive it was how hard it was to agree on the subject of the lord's supper so you have lord's day 28 lord's day 29 and lord's day 30 i generally try to shrink it down because it doesn't live so much uh, this debate anymore although i'll get into that lord's day 28 let's look at this one page 542 in the book of brains how does the lord's supper signify and seal to you that you share in christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of Him. With this command, He gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord has broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was this body offered for me and His blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does He Himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with His crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink His shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ, and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to His sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of His flesh, bone of His bones, and we forever live and are governed by one Spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Where is Christ promised that He will nourish and refresh believers with His body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of the cup? This promise is repeated by Paul when he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And now, just briefly, let's look at thirty-nine or Lord's Day 29. Are then the bread and the wine changed into the real body and blood of Christ? No. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ and is not the washing away of sins itself, but is simply God's sign and pledge, so also the bread in the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it it is called Christ's body in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. Why then does Christ call the bread His body and the cup His blood, or the new covenant in His blood? And why does Paul speak of participation in the body and blood of Christ? Christ speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us by His supper that as bread and wine sustain us in this temporal life, so his crucified and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. But even more important, He wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge, first, that through the working of the Holy Spirit we share in His true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of Him. And second, That all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. That's it for our confessional reading this morning, afternoon. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, Who would have thought that Jesus Christ holding up a piece of bread in front of 12 disciples and saying, this is my body, would have been such a sore point. So hotly debated hundreds of years later. And seriously, that's a challenging thing for Jesus to say. He holds up a piece of bread and said, this is my body, and so you have, just do a little history on this, the Roman Catholic Church, they wanted to take church, uh, Christ's words at face value, well, Christ must be right when he's saying that, this is my body, so how does it work? Maybe it becomes his body, it identifies as his body, transubstantiation, that's a great word in, hi- in, in history. The Lutherans, they also wanted to take Christ at His word. He is holding up the bread. He said, This is my body. And they said, Well, it doesn't become Christ's body. It's just bread. But maybe it's in, around, and under that Christ is really present. Maybe it, Christ's body is around the bread, near the bread, in. And so that's consubstantiation. That that was a pretty tough debate. And then you would have Zwingli, the Zwinglian part of the Reformation. They're like, we want to take it seriously, but all this fighting and debate, what if we just find a middle road? We'll just say, it's remembering Christ's body. He's holding it up, and he wants us just to remember that he died for our sins, Uh, You know, you you can hang something up and say, oh, that reminds me of Christ's body. And so he's holding up the bread. Just remember. And then there's the view that we teach here. The view that I teach this afternoon as well. The children, you know that he is saying, it's like my body. But he's saying it as strongly as possible so that we get the picture. Uh, you know how Christ says, I am the resurrection. I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. And you know, literally, Jesus is not a tree like a vine. He, he, literally, he's not a shepherd taking care of sheep. This is a metaphor. This is a very powerful image a sign and a seal so that you remember Christ is so much like bread and wine that when he holds up the piece of bread in front of his disciples and said this is my body it's because he's saying you can't do without me that's the message you're hearing this afternoon and I really want you to understand you could stay in this world of debate and you have a whole experiment in your mind of who's right and who's wrong and and it might just be a great exercise of thinking for you but the message of the Lord's Supper is you need Christ in you don't leave it just as a debate you need Christ in you and the best picture for that is the Lord's Supper Jesus holding a piece of bread Jesus holding wine You need me, or you will die. That's the message I'm bringing. You need Christ, or you die. And there's two parts to this. Maybe uh, we don't think of food. We're not all in agreement on food and drink anymore. It's actually quite a challenging time. It used to be, in world history, most people knew of food as that which you need to live, survival stuff. Now, we're more on the side of the debate of, is it good food? Is it healthy? Is it the best? Will I grow from it? Will it be safe for me? So, I want to put two points to you. First of all, the point that's less familiar to us is that you need the food or else you die. Something most of world history knows about, and then secondly, our point is about growth. So how's it? We we have it in the bulletin. The first point is receive Christ, welcome him, or you die. Secondly, being governed by Christ, being ruled by Christ, being transformed and growing, becoming healthy. Becoming good and strong. So first of all, it's just about survival. Answer 76. That's really our focus this um, this afternoon. Has the question, what does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink His blood? And the answer I'm getting is from John 6. The catechism has John 6 in the back of its mind too. as a The Lord's Supper builds off of John chapter 6 and Jesus Christ has just done this great sign. Do you remember the miracle He had just done was about food. He'd fed 5,000 plus people and they had leftovers, baskets full of bread left one for each disciple on the way home. And Jesus had said, I am the bread of life. And this is before you ever get a debate. This is probably a year before Christ's death in his ministry. Before you ever hear about the 12 disciples sitting around a table and Jesus holding up a piece of bread and saying, this is my body, before all that, Jesus has already laid the groundwork in John 6. And it is startling. The debate already began here. The the Pharisees are like, how can he be the bread of life? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, Jesus says. And they are like, what? How can that be? Do we literally eat Jesus? And if you were in that crowd, you'd hear Jesus say these words, you would, you would go home grumbling. Mad, maybe. That wasn't clear. Why don't we get somebody who knows how to teach us? You think of the occasion. Jesus speaking these words. He's in front of a crowd, and there was no bread and no wine around. There was no Lord's Supper to talk about. Just, unless you drink my blood. And there's Passover going on, right? Remember, it was the week of Passover. John 6 introduced that. And uh, unless you eat... My flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And all the background of the Passover. I thought we do this lamb. We, we kill the lamb, slaughter it, sacrifice it. We smear its blood on the door of our house. No one, no one touches blood. Like you don't eat the blood or drink the blood. Leviticus 7. Anyone who knows Leviticus 7 verse 27 says you absolutely do not drink someone's blood. And yet Jesus is teaching that you must. The unbelieving nations, they have had this practice. They have always been drinking blood. Or I think it's called eating blood. They want life they want the life of a creature this is how the unbelieving people were doing it you want power you find an animal that has power like a bull or an ox and you kill it and you drink its blood as it's dying you want speed you take the fastest animal you know you want sight you take the, the best seeing animal you know you want energy and you're always looking for the life because the life of that animal is in its life blood now for the first time in history, God among his people, and you hear Jesus say this, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will die. You have no life in you. Our first point is about receiving Christ or else you die. And that's what he's bringing across to us. And he's speaking about faith. I hope you understand he's speaking about faith that you need the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit in you. You need the life of Christ in you, in your heart and in your soul mind. Jesus is teaching, eat me, drink me. Not with your mouth. But with faith, with your heart. And that's what answer 76 is getting at. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and drink His shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. If if you want a good doctrinal word for this, the Apostle Paul will say justification. Setting you right with God. Being declared right by God. And, And the message is, if you accept Jesus Christ, You believe in Him by faith. You welcome Him in. Your sins are forgiven you. You're right with God. You have life. You have eternal life. No one can take that from you. And so that, all that tough teaching, that if you actually read to the end of the chapter 6, there are people, there are disciples, there are followers who have said, "This this is too far. I don't get this. And there are disciples leaving Christ on account of such a teaching. Isn't that happening today? Right? People leave Christ because they hear it's all or nothing. It's all me or nothing. And people are turned off by that message. Can't you find life, eternal life, in every way? Aren't all religions going the same way? And no, you hear Jesus Christ, he says, unless you eat me and drink me, you will die. John 6, verse 53, unless you drink my blood, you don't have life. And verse 63, it's the spirit who gives life. Unless you drink my blood, you don't have my spirit. That's his message. And you can't help but notice how life and death this is. This is like to those who are starving, who have not seen food for years. And they come running to Jesus. And he says, I have life. If this were a hospital, you'd hear Jesus Christ say, you have no life in you. You are fading fast. You are dying Unless you receive my blood and get this IV of my blood into your bloodstream, unless you get a transfusion and my Holy Spirit's in you, you have no life in you. So, our first point. The Lord's Supper brings the same message that Christ was preaching in John 6. Do you accept all the suffering and death of Christ with a believing heart? Because that's the message of the Lord's Supper. Do you accept... All the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. In, because you, re, you need Him to receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Otherwise you'll die forever. You have no life unless you have Christ in you. Our second point now. So our first was about justification. If you take notes, that's one good word to summarize the first point. Our second is Sanctification. You need to be drawing closer to Jesus Christ, being governed by Christ. And this is about growing, right? Food is not just about eating to live, but what about growing? What about gaining weight? What about getting healthy? Nutrition. And the word govern shows up here. has to do with rule and control. The body and blood of Christ continues to unite us with Christ more and more. Control. You know how this works with food, right? You are what you, be, what you eat. You, you become what you eat. We know that food is important. This is, this is a part you don't even have to hear because you know that often you reach for food and it's offering you benefits. Not just life, but things that you don't have. Maybe it offers you comfort. Maybe it offers you the weight some of us need. My flesh is food. My blood is true drink. So, answer 76, the second half. We hear what Christ means by eating his body and drink his blood. Second, he says, to be united, this, this is the catechism, to be united more and more to his sacred body through our Lord, through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Sanctification, to be united more and more in the holiness of Christ. And food and drink, they really get this point across. Because you don't just eat food once. This is how it's so different from baptism. You could be baptized once. But the Lord's Supper happens more often. Because it's supposed to be a reminder, you need Christ more often. You need Him constantly. Now, we don't do Lord's Supper every day. We don't do Lord's Supper constantly. But this is the best picture for you. Because the next time this, today, you're reaching for a bite to eat, you're reminded, oh, I need Christ again. I need Christ more. Daily food, daily drink. We need the Holy Spirit every day. The Catechism continues with this. It says, therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. There's an echo of Adam and Eve becoming one in uh, the Garden of Eden. And we forever live and are governed by one Spirit as the members of our body are governed by one soul. In other words, the Lord's Supper is a picture of what the Holy Spirit does. We know that when we eat bread and wine, it doesn't just go to our stomachs. I hope not. Because then it would just stay there. And it wouldn't be healthy. The bread and wine are meant to be digested. And this picture at Lord's Supper is so important, this digesting, that the bread and the wine become part of us, becomes in our bloodstream. His broken body, His shed blood was meant to impact our heart, soul, and mind, every part of our body. You know how easy it is to compartmentalize and just leave this teaching of Christ in your stomach? Right? You, can, you can have a religious stomach in a way. Oh yeah, you go to church on Sunday and you just fill your stomach. It's like a holding tank. And there are times you, you do your religious things. You have a corner, this is where you pray. You, you have a certain time. You have a certain uh, people that you say religious sounding things next to. But then who are you the rest of the time? You know what I mean by compartmentalizing. That you have a religious attitude and sound and thought in certain times and places, and otherwise you're just your normal self. And this is what Jesus Christ does. Holding up the bread, he says, this is my flesh. He holds up the cup of wine, he says, this is my blood. Have it. Have it circulate in you. Every day. You need me within you every day. The next time you go for something to drink, or something to eat, you think of Jesus at the Lord's Supper. You need me. You can't go without me. You need me in your bloodstream. You need my Holy Spirit in you. My thoughts should be filled with Christ's thoughts. If you have the blood of Christ flowing in you, it's dealing with toxins in your bloodstream, right? Your old nature in you, your old identity. With the blood of Christ in you, fighting toxins, delivering oxygen and life that you need to live, this is what transforms you from a dying creature to alive and thriving. What a message at the Lord's Supper you get. Aren't you tired out? Aren't you looking for a boost? Well, bread and drink is not only, like we heard in the first point, for life itself, but our second point, being governed, being controlled, being recreated, and now coming alive, and getting a a surge. Not just adrenaline, but constant high levels of oxygen, energy, fighting against the evil one, your old nature, sin, the world, the devil. So brothers and sisters, you hear this point, the message this afternoon, you might look at this issue of the Lord's Supper and think, oh yeah, there were some big words like, Transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Where am I again? I I don't know. And you might just be in the world of knowing who's right. Then I leave you with this Jesus Christ holds up the bread and the wine, and He makes it clear for every one of us you need me. You need me in you for life and for growth in godliness to turn from evil, to do what pleases God. You need me. That's the message of Jesus Christ at the Lord's Supper. Amen. Let's now stand and sing hymn 61. Let's pray to give thanks to the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, words of comfort and encouragement to do what you have commanded us, remembering Christ Jesus, your Son. Lord, we thank you for the Lord's Supper, though often with food and drink and the turmoil, the division, the troubles that come with food and drink in our generation, in our age where there's an abundance of food and there's so many levels of anxiety that come with food and how it can dominate us. Lord, there's, there's a lot of trouble. And yet, you bring to us a clear picture of Jesus Christ at table the Last Supper with his disciples. And what a comforting message that we would have Christ in us. Oh Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know how we consume the things that we watch. Our eyes turn to things. We absorb messages. Lord, often the technology that we use, we're absorbing things that are not healthy for us. And then you show us Christ. We need You in us. We need Your Spirit. Father, transform us and renew us. Fight within us so that we would fight the good fight of the faith. Our gracious Father, we pray for a good week as we go about our week. The things that are coming up. Some things we have planned and we know what it might look like. And other things are completely uncertain. But we look to You because You are our Father. And You know what's good for us. And You've promised to bless those who trust in You. Lord, we pray that You would be near us every moment. Be within us. Help us not to compartmentalize things. But Lord, permeate us. Fill us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ... Amen.